Happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered. Josh here, and today I'm going to be talking about the Super Bowl, breaking down some compelling storylines. Whose win would just be better, Chiefs or Eagles? Then, is Russell Wilson going to buy into Sean Payton? Sean Payton not giving him any more preferential treatment, or I shouldn't say he isn't, but he is not going to be getting any more from the Broncos. Brian Flores hired as the Vikings defensive coordinator. My reaction to that. Then will Eric Bieniemy ever get a head coaching job? And then lastly, LeBron closing in on the scoring record. Can he do it today against the Thunder? Will it wait against, uh, until Thursday against the Bucks? Will that push him to the GOAT? And then lastly, I'm going to talk about a story that made me very, very happy today. But first, let's get started with the Super Bowl. Again, this is Super Bowl week, so let's start with the Chiefs-Eagles. Both teams vying for the Super Bowl. I'm not going to make a prediction. I made an early prediction last week. Uh, on Friday, you can hear if I stick with that original prediction or if it gets changed. But the question today is, who has a more compelling story to win the Super Bowl? What's you know what's a feel good story? What what do you want to happen? Now, regardless if you're let's say let's say you're a neutral fan, you're not Chiefs fans because Chiefs fans you know listen to a lot of them. They'll taunt a lot of their stuff in front. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes the goat, and all that. Uh, we ain't here for any bogus storylines. And, of course, Eagles as well, uh, how great their team is. You know, Philly, Philly, Philly over Cowboys is America's team. So let's get started. I'm going to start with uh, the Chiefs. What's kind of the story if they were to win the Super Bowl? What kind of, you know, elevates them? What happens kind of with that team? So you have one compelling storyline already and that Andy Reid is going up against his former team, the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, yesterday on the Super Bowl opening night where you had both teams there for press conferences. Andy Reid, you know, hugged some of the guys that he was, you know, they drafted, he drafted them, and they're still there. That was Jason Kelsey and uh, Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox. Uh, really touching to see, so... You know, you have that Super Bowl winner that Andy Reid would be his forward team. Andy Reid did not win a Super Bowl with the uh, Eagles. The closest he got was losing in the Super Bowl to Tom Brady, but various conference championships with that team. You know, I feel like it'd be kind of bittersweet for Andy Reid to win this game beating his forward team. So you have that storyline there. You also have the other one, uh, you know, with Andy Reid that he is he would be one of the uh, greatest coaches of all time for a majority of his career. Uh, he was always second fiddle to Bill Belichick. He wins this. You can say, you know, he doesn't have the case as you know the goat coach over Bill Belichick, but he has a case. He would have the case as the best coach in the NFL right now. 
And, you know, we talked about Bill Belichick is one of the greatest defensive minds of all time, while Andy Reid would go down as one of the most genius offensive minds of all time. So you really have that going for Andy Reid there. Now, what about Mahomes? Now, if Mahomes wins the Super Bowl, I think he's firmly established as a top-five quarterback of all time. Uh, most likely to win MVP this year. So he'd win his second MVP, his second Super Bowl. This is his third Super Bowl uh, in the six years he's been in the NFL, which, of course, ties Tom Brady. So you have that you know, overarching, overarching theme that, you know, can Mahomes eventually be the GOAT? Of course, this is a question, I think, for 10 years down the line. But for Mahomes to have a chance, this would be a nice one to have uh, in, on his belt, in his resume. This would really push Mahomes into the top tier uh, of quarterbacks of all time. And to me, it would firmly establish him head and shoulders above anyone else remaining in the NFL at the quarterback position right now. And then lastly with the Chiefs, they would be a dynasty. Uh, they would be a dynasty. Now, there's different metrics for a dynasty, but to me, the, the most minimum is you have to win two Super Bowls in a short period of time, or two anything, whether it's two championships uh, like the Warriors did. They've won uh, you know, back-to-back titles. They won three out of four. They won four out of eight. The Warriors were are a dynasty. You had the Alabama uh, football team. They won the back-to-back titles. They were a dynasty. Uh, You know, winning six titles in like a 10-year span, that's a dynasty. Georgia Bulldogs, they've won back-to-back championships. That is a dynasty. In the NFL, we've had Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and the Patriots. They won six Super Bowls. In a 20-year span, you can call that a 20-year dynasty. If you don't include the 10 years in between, which they still went to two Super Bowls and lost, they well, they won back-to-back Super Bowls in 03-04. Uh, then, you know, I once they beat the Seahawks, they won the Super Bowl every other year uh, for the next six years. So, oh, they won three in the six-year span, but every other year. You get, my, get the idea. You get the drift. So you got that. So the Chiefs would be a dynasty, and they would take over the spot that was occupied by the Patriots before them. It's sort of the best team in the NFL. It was the Patriots and their dynasty. Before them was the Cowboys and their dynasty in the 90s. Uh, before them was the 49ers, their dynasty in the 80s. And before them was the Steelers and their dynasty in the 70s. So the Patriots had the longest dynasty, the 2000s and the 2010s. 2020s could really go to the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. They won the 2020 Super Bowl in the 2019-2020 season. They had that one to show for. They've been to you know, five straight conference championships. This is their third Super Bowl appearance in five years. Uh, so they have the three Super you know, three three Super Bowls in four years, my bad. Uh, the first one with Mahomes, they only made it to the conference championship game. So three Super Bowls in four years. They went two out of uh, two out of the third Super Bowl. Maybe, maybe I'm getting confused here. 
Third Super Bowl in four years, they win two out of the three. That makes them a dynasty. Clear-cut dynasty there. Best team uh, in the NFL. Uh, they'd be the top dog for a while now. So you have those storylines. You have Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs dynasty. You have a lot at play there uh, for the Chiefs if they were to go on and win the Super Bowl. Well, what about the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, first off, you have Nick Sirianni, who is in his second year as a head coach with the Eagles. Last year, a bit rocky, eight, uh, eight, nine and eight. Uh, terrible introductory press conference. I mean, just sort of really wet the bed there. Uh, didn't look like he was going to be the guy. But here you have a compelling storyline, the turnaround that he's had, the, you know, just kind of the, you know, he just is a. F- Philly guy, it seems like at heart really is into the city and is a people's coach over there. I think being a Lions fan, a lot of how I feel with Dan Campbell, I think that's how a lot of Philly fans feel with Nick Sirianni. And then you also have the storyline that Nick Sirianni would beat the man who fired him. And Nick Sirianni was on the Chiefs before Andy Reid was a coach there. He was a wide receivers coach. And Andy Reid let him go before they could really talk. So Nick Sirianni still feels like he has a chip on his shoulder, is still motivated in this game to go out and, you know, prove Andy Reid wrong. So you have that very intriguing storyline playing up. Having the chip on your shoulder, I think, is smart. And then you move to that quarterback, Jalen Hurts. And to me, this is, to me, just a great story uh, considering, you know, Going into the season, Jalen Hurts is not really a quarterback, you know, people were talking about or wanted. Dak was the uh, king of the division, and, you know, Eagles were behind them. You know, I did pick uh, the Eagles to improve, to win their uh, division, even with Jalen Hurts. But Jalen Hurts last year didn't look like a great pocket passer, could run, looked absolutely lost uh, before the season. I mean, in the playoff loss last year, I didn't look great, didn't look sharp. And I thought, you know, he just looks like a second-round draft pick. Uh, didn't look great uh, last year. And now he can really win the Super Bowl, propel himself to, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the league, one of the bright stars in the NFL, and one of the faces of the league. That's what Jalen Hurts can do with this win here. You know, in his second year, uh, he'd tie Mahomes in Super Bowls. Probably won Super Bowl MVP tying in that. Uh, then you look at him and the Eagles as the class of NFC. Cowboys haven't done anything. Uh, you know, the Rams and Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford did last year. Uh, Tom Brady's left. Who knows with Aaron Rodgers? So, you know, Jalen Hurts is the face of a team. Could be, you know, one of the many faces of the NFL bright stars. And in a spot where, let's be honest, we were all ready to take other quarterbacks outside of Jalen Hurts going into this year. Going into this year. No one wanted Jalen Hurts. Uh, 
we all wanted Josh Allen over Jalen Hurts, and now, you know, there's arguments I hear that some people want Jalen Hurts over Josh Allen. It's not me, but as some stories I read, that's some people I hear. Uh, you know, last year, you know, it was, you know, Tua's looking better than Jalen Hurts. Tua's the guy, uh, especially the beginning of this year. Well, now that's really flipped, and who knows about Tua and Jalen's the guy. You know, Jalen over Matt Jones, especially after Matt Jones had such a promising year last year. Obviously, Jalen over Zach Wilson. I think Jalen, Joe Burrow, Joe, Joe Burrow, definitely a better quarterback. I won't get him there. But then I look at this one. This is interesting. Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson is sort of selfish. I think you sort of have to be to get by in the NFL, get your money. But uh, that doesn't really resonate. With a lot of people, a lot of fans, and you look at the talent, the way Jalen Hurts has really developed, I think he can be a better fit for a lot of teams than what Lamar Jackson can be for some teams. Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts. I honestly lean Jalen Hurts right now. Herbert Hurts, I'd go Herbert. Mahomes right now, I'd go Mahomes. Uh, Russell Wilson, Jalen Hurts. Russell Wilson, we talked about him as, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL going into this year. The great impact he could have on the Broncos. Now, it's all Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is better. Again, I think he's better than Dak as well. He's better than Kirk Cousins. Uh, better than Jared Goff. Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers is better. Uh, he's better than Geno Smith. I think he's definitely better than Kyler Murray. So, Jalen Hurts is really really propelled himself, elevated himself this year, and he could really cap this off with a very special season in which he's only suffered one loss this year. That was to the Washington Commanders. But as a starter, he has only had one loss this season. Another compelling storyline for the Eagles is this is the last dance for sort of those older Eagle players, the ones I mentioned at the outset with Andy Reid, the Jason Kelsey, the Brandon Graham, the... uh, Fletcher Cox, kind of the guys who won the Super Bowl in, you know, 2018, 2017 with Doug Peterson. Uh, You know, those older guys who endured Andy Reid and Chip Kelly and Doug Peterson. And now uh, Nick Sirianni, they can go out uh, with a win. Uh, Other guys as well that were there with the other team, you know, Lane Johnson can go out with a win. So just... I think that would be a great storyline as well. And then you have this one. The, the, the Eagles would show that the championships are bigger than players and coaches. It, it really is a team. Uh, you know, the only player in the NFL we probably prioritize bigger than anyone is Tom Brady and what he was able to do with both the Patriots and the Bucks. He's kind of the one guy, you know, you never count out Tom, no matter who the coach was. Whereas... With Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Andy Reid is a crucial, vital part of Mahomes' success. I think this team would look a lot different if Andy Reid was not the head coach. But you have the Eagles, who won the Super Bowl a relatively short time ago with Doug Peterson, with Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, that team there. And then you have, you know, a GM who wants to win another Super Bowl, gets rid of Doug Peterson, gets Jalen Hurts, moves on from them, 
uh, you know, their wide receiver group was Torrey Smith. Now they got A.J. Brown uh, and Devontae Smith. Uh, they made some trades in the offseason as well for defensive guys. They had a great draft. So it really shows that football, it's a team game where in the NBA you can have, you know, one player in a five-on-five really take over, uh, take control of the game. Uh, it's harder to do that in the NFL. But Eagles really show them that, hey, it's a championship. And really for fans, there's some players that are beloved, uh, but the fans care about championships as well. It don't matter who the head coach or the quarterback is. They win a ring. They're happy. So, again, big, I think, huge win uh, it would be for the Eagles to me. I feel the Eagles is a more compelling storyline. I feel more compelled to root for them, especially uh, Jalen Hurts and some of those older Eagles players uh, who've had a weird ride enduring multiple head coaches, a Super Bowl win somehow in there as well. So uh, I'm rooting for the Eagles, but I'll make my official Super Bowl pick later in the week. Now moving on. Will Russell Wilson buy into Sean Payton? Why do we ask that? Well, Russell Wilson had his own quarterbacks coach, his own, you know, kind of mini staff that was not associated with uh, the Broncos organization. We're not, you know, Broncos staff members or anything like that. Uh, Sean Payton said, you know, that's not happening in my watch. They won't be able to coach, you know, Russell Wilson in the facility. Uh, So is Russell Wilson going to buy into Sean Payton, you know, who's going to run this organization like a team where I think Russell Wilson was able to get away with some of those things, you know, the preferential treatment, the parking passes and uh, own office and his team coming in uh, and out of a one of the Broncos facility where he was kind of elevated by the team. Uh, Sean Payton, being an old-school guy, is all about the team uh, and going in on uh, just the team itself, going back to running the football, doing what, you know, is makes Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson good. So I think if Russell Wilson wants to have kind of a second chance at his career, he's got to make this work with Sean Payton. Uh they kind of made him out to be the guy last year. And simply put, Russell Wilson was not the guy last year. He showed that he's not the guy. He's not the Brady. He's not the Rodgers. He is not that dude. So he's going to have to buy into Sean Payton, uh, really work with him in this offense. Now Russell Wilson is given the vows of approval to get this coach and to get this guy. But it's different when he affects your daily life when, you know, you're just one of the players now. Uh, so I think it's great for Sean Payton, great for Sean Payton to do this. Say it publicly as well. Everybody is on the same page with Russell Wilson in this organization. Uh, I think Sean Payton, I think Russell Wilson can work with Sean Payton. I think he can fit with this team and with this offense and the direction they're going uh, to succeed in a tough division with Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. So 
I want to see great things from this team. Uh, I love to see them in the playoffs, win division. I think it's possible. Uh, but Russell Wilson is not going to be a solo act. He's not going to be let Russ cook campaigns. It's going to be Russell Wilson is part of the team. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be great for him, great for Sean Payton. really hope this works. Next, Brian Flores hired as Vikings defensive coordinator. Good hire? I think so. Uh, last year, the defense was a mess. Uh, I think schematically, obviously, playing the soft zone defense, not really getting up into the receiver's faces, not playing a lot of press coverage. I mean, they just allowed 5, 10 yards a play. It was quite pathetic. They couldn't stop the run. So to me, there was a big scheme problem. 50% was scheme, uh, you know, to me being the worst defense in the NFL. I uh, tie with the lines and points, uh, last in passing yards and yards. I mean, the defense was just awful, so somebody had to go. But to me, it could also make sense of uh, – it's also a player's thing. To, they didn't have the players for the scheme last year. But I look at the Vikings' defense. They don't have, you know, great star players where you're like, they've got a Nick Bosa or they've got a Chris Jones or Frank Clark or – Aaron Donald or Miles Garrett, they just don't have players like that or a, a Dre Greenlaw or Fred Warner or a you know Jesse Bates or a Matt Milano. They don't have any guys where you're like, look at that player on defense. They just don't have any players on defense. Uh, you know, Zydaria Smith, he's an older defensive player. Uh, he got after Aaron Rodgers, I think, in a revenge game the first week. But outside of that, he's an older pass rusher, not what he used to be. You know, he's supposed to be one of their stars. Uh, Danielle Hunter is probably their best defensive star, but he's inconsistent. He gets injured. He's not a dominant force. Their best corner is supposed to be Patrick Peterson. I'm sorry, but he's old. Uh, you can't have a 32-year-old cornerback is your top dog anymore in the NFL. He's not as fast as he used to be. He's not as good as he used to be. He got cooked plenty of times. You can't have that be your guy. Eric Kendricks at linebacker, not a, don't think he's that great either. And then you have a safety, Harrison Smith, who's just not what he used to be. He's not, he's not 26 years old and can fly around the field. He's 34, 35. He's older. So, and they haven't drafted well on defense. Uh, that's another big thing. So, I think a lot of it was a scheme last year, but now that I'm looking hard at it, it's it's the players as well. They don't have a standout player on defense. They don't have any up and coming stars where it's like, look at look at that guy uh, come through. Where at least with the Lions, defense was bad, but at least I can say, hey, look at you know Aiden Hutchinson. At least I've got him, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, Rodrigo, uh, you know, the other guy, uh, James Houston as well. At least I can say there's some young talent that looks right, uh, whereas they've got no stars. I can go, I could probably, I don't want to do this on a podcast. This is probably I do something, uh, you know, with my brother uh, if I were to get in a debate or argument with him. As I could probably name a star. On every other team that 
has a better defensive player than the uh, Vikings. So, for example, I have a Lions, Aiden Hutchinson. I would say there's not a player on the Vikings defense better than Aiden Hutchinson. And there's even teams, I think, that don't have great defenses like the Cardinals, but they've got a Buda Baker, and the Vikings don't have anybody. And I could probably go on every NFL team and have a player like that that the Vikings just don't have. So I think Brian Flores being a defensive mind is good for this. But this defensive you know, players on there, they're not the cream of the crop. Sorry. Next up, will Eric Bieniemy ever get a head coaching job? It is interesting, Eric Bieniemy being the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. Being involved with the staff, this long run with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, he says he's disappointed that he hasn't gotten the head coaching gig yet. But to me, it's very, very weird, this thing. Because early on the past few years, I was pushing for Eric Bieniemy. I've done podcasts. Eric Bieniemy should get a job, should get a job, should get a job. And he just hasn't yet. So when you interview, he's interviewed for a head coaching job 15 times and hasn't got one. Uh, my first reaction is you don't interview well. And there's some people like that who don't interview well. Uh, sorry, there's just not. And then uh, I got to thinking as well, they try to sell Eric Bieniemy hard over there in Kansas City. Andy Reid says, you know, we wouldn't be able to do this without Eric Bieniemy. Uh He kind of gets us going and he gets everybody ready to go. Really? Eric Bieniemy, you're trying to sell him too hard. Travis Kelsey, you know, says every team would be lucky to have an Eric Bieniemy on their team, and they all rave about Eric Bieniemy, and probably a lot do. But when you're trying to sell somebody really hard to me, like it's a really strong referral, uh, I get a little uneasy about it, and I tend to tend to push out, push back, put, uh, back out. We're trying to sell him too hard. I don't like that. The other thing I don't like it, and I know. There's been other coaches he doesn't call plays. There's been other coaches that haven't called plays. They get head coaching gigs. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is it's the shadow of Andy Reid. For Eric Bieniemy to ever get a head coaching job, he has to move off of Andy Reid first. And it's unfortunate. I know I think he is genuinely, genuinely a great dude. Uh, but when we talk about the Chiefs, we talk about Mahomes and Andy Reid and the great job he does and what he schemes up. It's Andy Reid's offense. It's Andy Reid's team. It's Andy Reid. And I think Andy Reid secretly does enjoy this being his construct, him getting past Mahomes when no one else did 10 spots that he drafted or he traded up to draft Mahomes and he assembled this. He won a ring. This is his Chiefs. I think if Eric Bieniemy, you know, the offensive numbers they put up with the Chiefs are very impressive, being the number one offense over the course of five years. But if Eric Bieniemy were to say, go to the Ravens with Lamar Jackson or another team, let's say the Cowboys, I know they already hired an offensive coordinator, but or Dak Prescott or another team, and they were to put up great offensive numbers, then you, I think a lot of eyes would turn toward Eric Bieniemy, and I think it would only take one year. Uh, we see this a lot in the NFL. Uh, teams get hot, like the Giants. Mike Kafka, offensive coordinator for the Giants. It's 
hey, Daniel Jones finally had a good year. Let's hand out some money to Mike Kafka. So that, to me, is very interesting. Again, it only takes one year. So if you were to go somewhere else and succeed for one year, I think that's all it takes. But if he keeps coming back to Andy Reid, I do think it's harder for him to get that head coaching job if that's what he really wants. Now let's shift to the NBA. LeBron is closing in on the all-time scoring record. I believe he's 36 points away from passing Kareem. So that begs the question, when's he going to do it? Is it going to be tonight against the Thunder, or will it be Thursday against the Bucks? Now, to me, this is, I think, when I read this morning, this is one of the most bet player props. Uh, today is LeBron scoring over or under 32.5 points. Considering the Thunder, I think, ranked 20th in total defense. They're not great defensively. They're coming off a back-to-back last night. Uh, just got absolutely walloped by the Warriors. 141 scored on them. So, again, back-to-back that where LeBron has had, you know, three days off. Or Lakers have had three days off. Could he get 36 and pass it tonight? I don't think so. Uh, I think he gets close. I think he scores around 25. Uh, tonight they win, but I think he passes it against the Bucks, and to me that would be a big one considering uh, he breaks it against a good team in Milwaukee with Giannis and all them. Uh, that's in Lakers, but you know you get the gist. Giannis is there. Uh, Kareem's original team, which was Milwaukee, where he won his first ring. Milwaukee won their first title. Uh, LeBron to do it against that with those storylines, you know, to me, a real good game where, you know, the Thunder, it's the Thunder. They're not good. Uh, LeBron could probably drop 40 or 50 tonight in a virtuoso type of performance. However, I don't see that happening, but he will break it, you know, by, you know, Thursday at midnight. But with him closing in on the scoring record, does this push him? Closer to Michael Jordan in the GOAT conversation. Uh, you know, everybody's, I think, GOAT parameters in the NBA are different when people are so close neck and neck for uh, GOAT when not one person really has one thing over another uh, in all categories. But this one would be LeBron's one category. He would be the greatest scorer of all time. Uh, a lot of people talk about Michael Jordan being the greatest scorer of all time, the 10 scoring titles. Well, guess what? You can say that. He's got 10 scoring titles. But LeBron has the most points scored ever in the NBA. And to me, it's not just a longevity record. Michael Jordan would probably have held it if he didn't retire twice uh, for four years. So obviously that hurt his scoring points. I think if uh, even if Michael Jordan were to have originally held it, I think LeBron would still break it. And again, uh, I think Michael Jordan was ahead of his time. The way he was able to score, you know, 30 points a season was very impressive. But not everybody was scoring 30 points a season uh, when Michael Jordan was. You had your big guys, your Carl Malones, your your Shaqs, your uh, Charles Barkley, those guys, Hakeems, those guys weren't scoring 30 a season on a consistent basis. 
Whereas today in the NBA, we see more people score 30. You know, scoring 28, 29 like LeBron's been averaging should be enough to win scoring titles. But that's the thing when you have great center play like Joel Embiid, he averages 30 a season. That's impressive. So even you have players like that, Luka, 30 a season. Giannis, 30 a season. Uh, Jason Tatum, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, 30 a season. Kevin Durant, 30 a season. So scoring, more people do it more frequently now. So the 30 points is not as impressive as it was when Michael Jordan did it. So to me, that also makes it tougher for LeBron where you have those pure scores like KD and Steph, shooters like them. Whereas LeBron is a great scorer, but he's also a great passer. He's a great rebounder. He's the full total package of an NBA player where I think he can play in any NBA era. Whereas some players in today's game, their game doesn't translate to every game uh, era. So I do believe this pushes him closer to the GOAT conversation. Uh, I think with him passing Kareem now in points, uh, you know, to me there's a very good argument with the 30 LeBron, Kareem, Michael Jordan breaking them up, one, two, three, however you want. But with LeBron now passing him in that very prestigious record, you know, but to me the best regular season record for uh, the NBA. I think LeBron passes Kareem now. He pushes closer to the GOAT conversation to Michael Jordan. I think if he were to win, he should have won another. He should have had another MVP already. But I thought if he were to win one more title, I think that does it. I think the five would be enough uh, to get him to Michael Jordan, even Michael Jordan having one more. I just think with the records have, it's very impressive by LeBron. Uh, I'm rooting for him. Hope he, I would love for him to break it tonight in a crazy 40-point virtuoso walk-off game. However, realistically, again, I see it happening Thursday night. And then lastly, I told you at the beginning I'd share with you a story that made me very happy. So I'll briefly get into that story. And that was about Live Golf. I read this and just brought a huge smile to my face. That the Live Golf is, you know, in documents that were attained uh, by the federal court, is that Live Golf is generating virtually no revenue. I love to hear that. Uh, guess what? Because I haven't heard anything about Live Golf. I have been, if you've been listening to my podcast for a while, especially when this was very front of the news, I was very anti Live. Still am anti Live. But it's nice, you know. You kind of see who comes out on top through all these things. Kind of close to a year of being kicked off. It's, you know, Liv had that, that hype right in its inception. Now I don't hear anything. We're not on TV. Yeah, they have this, uh, I think, the C-dub, uh, CW uh, deal for them to stream games since for season two. But their first full season was not streamed. Uh, you couldn't watch any of them. And then they just took some of the pricks off toward their biggest talkers were Patrick Reed, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, people that didn't really have a ton of fans to move over. So, And it was associated with Donald Trump as well and the Saudis and their shady ways over there. So how can you be a fan of all that? Uh, 
just couldn't. So hearing that they made no revenue really made me happy because PGA Tour makes millions of dollars in revenue every year. The players make revenue. So this is the other thing that, you know, in addition to the no revenue, is that, you know, that public investment fund, uh, the former Live Golf president or whatever, spent $784 million last year in kind of getting this live started. $784 million on the salaries, the tournaments, the production costs, social media, website, all that. $784 million. Imagine one person just spending that in a year. $784 million. And that's not even including player salaries such as Phil Mickelson, who got $200 million. Uh, DJ, who got 150, DeChambeau, Cam Smith, who got a hundred plus million dollar deal. So billions of dollars were spent on this to rival the PGA Tour. And a year afterwards, it is generating no revenue. To me, I would just love to read this article, uh, by, uh, Mark Schlebach, ESPN writer, or each one of the Washington Post has a similar one. They all have similar articles to this now. Uh, I would love to read this and laugh at Greg Norman's face. What an absolute joke. You know, wanting to rival the PGA Tour, spit in the face of the PGA Tour, and they are making zero dollars. Uh, talk about a, you know, this is just, this is basically Greg Norman's like passion project, wanting to start something like this. And for it to not be making any money, uh, good for them. Who knows how many more $200 million checks will be wrote for Phil Mickelson when this contract and salary is up. But, you know, there's a reason why, you know, a PG works with its system, with its base salary, basing on cuts and performance and other deals. Uh, it's a business that's, been around and works, and these guys joined the wishful dream for getting big money, and they won't be welcome at PGA Tour events, and that's why I'm very much looking forward to the Masters, where we get to see these players uh, play uh, against each other, live versus uh, PGA, and always be rooting for a PGA Tour guy to come out on top. They didn't sell their soul to the Saudis, so again, that was an article that made me very happy reading. So this has been Unbothered. Definitely not bothered by that story. Uh, I'll talk to you all Friday. I'll be back giving my official Super Bowl prediction, breaking down every storyline to the game. The big weekend. Super Bowl week continues. Bye, everybody.